the only other Sony Music people I can even think of that were recently ish were Jedward, and they got axed. That's <laughs> like who the fuck else is with Sony Music? Uh, the best example they have is Adele as the most recent major name. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. that okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's but Adele is like four hundred years ago. Fair. Like who again? I still have a concept. Who, who is who is Adele? Musician. Yeah, she, I'm sure she's. I'm sure she's still active. However, she did that James Bond film three James Bond films ago or whatever. The the team song. <laughs> what year was that? 1973. <laughs> you know the sad thing is that was only one James Bond film ago. Is there uh, only one? Yeah. So what I mean, like, so like it wasn't the last one. It was the one before that. Before, oh. so, like, there's, there's one in between us now, and. Adele singing Sky. I feel like James. I, I feel. I, I feel like the fucking uh, Daniel Craig. James Craig. I feel like Daniel no. Craig has done like fucking eight hundred James Bonds, but I guess this is only his fourth. It's weird because he started and it was like he was the old, washed-up, tired James Bond at the very beginning, and that was his first movie, and that was in like two thousand and six. So he's been James Bond for like fifteen I... years. I was about to say, was his first film not like fucking 15, 16 years back? Like, that's that's I mean, a pretty looks, long gap. He doesn't look bad now, whereas, like, if you look at the late Roger Moore films, Roger Moore looks fucking geriatric. Fucking geriatric. And they still <laughs> pair him up with a young one, and it, it just looks very rapey. I mean, wasn't, that the, reason, wasn't that the reason? Wasn't that the reason he? Wasn't that the reason he quit? Was because he was being sent to go and to do sex scenes with women younger than his daughters. I I think there was a scene <laughs> where he was supposed to be like charming in a bar, and he was like, you know, like, you know, like looking at women and said ladies or something, and he saw it on screen. And like, this is the creepiest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. I can't be James Bond anymore. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, if two hundred people on a set say, "Hey, yeah, that came out great. You were so good in that scene," and then you see it <laughs> in a room no. full of people publicly, and you're like, "Oh." Oh no. Oh, no. Oh, what no. they consider to be good is not actually good. They I, they did bad. But I guess I guess <laughs> with James Bond, especially like it's almost like independent of who works on it. It's basically just you're responsible to the broccoli family. So yeah. uh, they're still thinking, Oh I bet I bet Chubby Broccoli loved that. <laughs> it's it's Cubby Broccoli, isn't it? I don't Cubby fucking broccoli. care. His, his surname is Broccoli. Stupid fucking name, Broccoli, Barbara Broccoli. Like You think they would have changed that name, at this point? They have enough money. Broccoli. Cubby Broccoli. That, that's great. He's just James Broccoli in the next film. So, <laughs> welcome to Morning Brew, episode 27. If you can believe it, that's like fucking, tw- that's like 2,000 episodes, probably, right? 2,000 weeks that's, between? One can only guess. Old, anything older than that, and James Bond just isn't interested. That's true. 27 episodes ago was like when fucking Daniel Craig first did James Bond. Crazy. I am, of course, well, Adam Sharon. I'm Stephen Burke. And I'm Daniel Purcell. Uh, we have we have a little bit of housekeeping right from the start, so I feel like I need to get this. So we're we're on we're on Amazon now. Amazon Music reached out, I don't know why, and said, "Hey, do we we want to put your podcast up?" And I was like, "Ah, uh, sure." So we talked about and it. Until- was, what did I ask? Is there any money? What did you say? Not. It's no. a podcast. It's a podcast. Apparently we're on Amazon. Laughs along the way. Apparently we're on Amazon Music Prime or Amazon Prime Music or Amazon something something. I don't fucking know. I didn't know they had a streaming service. To be honest, I didn't know they had one. Don't people have to pay to listen to us on those platforms? Well, I would imagine if you have that platform, you're probably already paying for it for another reason, or you get it free for some reason. Maybe it comes with Prime. I really don't know. I didn't know they had a music service. I only found out when they emailed us. (laughs) (laughs) When they emailed us to say, "Hey, can we put the podcast up?" and we said yes. I didn't realize they had had one until then. Also, we're on Audible, apparently, because I guess oh. Amazon owns Audible, and they put us on Audible when they put us on Amazon Prime. So I guess enjoy. 
It's also awesome uh, when you said we were being contacted by Amazon Prime, I assumed it was like some sort of Netflix deal situation, you know? Yeah, no, 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 not like when we became a, not like when we became a Netflix original that time. Um, you know that that was a different situation. This this is a they, new. Situation. I can't believe they still haven't paid us. I can't believe you hung down or, or put out the program. <sighs> yeah. I mean, in fairness, you know, there was far too many sex scenes in that in that um, show. And all of them were single person sex scenes, which probably makes it worse. I don't think they let that slide. It's not really a sex scene anymore at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's a onesome, dude. <laughs> it was very acrobatic, but I think I pulled it off. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. <laughs> so so we're up there now. If you know, if that's what you like to listen to stuff true, I go for it, I guess. I, I don't know if we have any interaction at this point. <laughs> it's up there. I, I can't do anything with it. It just kind of ends up there. So enjoy. I'm going to repeat my appeal for people who are actually listening to the program to come and write to us at, at us at Media Suplex. Talk to us. You know, remind us you're out there. Give us some feedback. I mean, they're sharing it. They're sharing it and they're listening. They're I can it. see all the stats. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, they're just, they just, you know, they're a bunch of quiet folk. Also, yeah. the weirdest part about Audible being a podcast service is who the fuck is listening to podcasts on Audible? What? What? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe get sick of ebooks or something. I don't know. There's a lot to commit to in an ebook. <laughs> Wouldn't you just go to any other platform? And well, well, intonated. There's too much of a rhythm to this speech. I want the awkward <laughs> pauses that only Morning Brew can provide. Well, like, I understand, like, you know, we didn't reach out about Audible. We just ended up there. Like, that. I didn't even say that. They came back and they were like, yeah, it's on Audible and Amazon now. And I was like, well, I'm sorry, it's it's on your audiobook website? <laughs> okay, sure, why not? But I just, I was Welcome thinking, to Morning Brew, season I've just, one, I've been thinking about episode it. Episode 27, with me, Stephen Fry. <laughs> no, get him away from the podcast. I will not have this. <laughs> he hasn't been relevant since Daniel Craig first did James Bond. I will not have it. I will not have him involved. Um, he I, hasn't been relevant since Daniel Craig did James Bond. First James Bond, not current first James Bond. First James Bond. He's not an internet darling anymore. That He had that weird like mid-2000s thing where the internet loved him for some reason. I guess Doctor Who, is that right? Am I... Probably? Mm. Stephen Fry cancelled now. Okay, Stephen Fry's cancelled now. Sorry, Stephen Fry. He's not cancelled. He's, he's just not relevant. And now we're all Jake Paul, Logan Paul fans. <laughs> we all love like Suicide Forest videos and I guess celebrity boxing is what we're all into these days. Is it possible to fade into irrelevance anymore instead of getting cancelled? Like whatever yeah. happened, what, what happened to fading into irrelevance? That's my well, topic for today, actually. That's my think, topic for today. I don't think there's a everyone, fade everyone, anymore. Everyone going on about, everyone going on about being cancelled when in actual fact they've just faded into irrelevance. Wait, yeah. so do you want do you want people who have uh, faded into irrelevance? Or do you want people who think they've been cancelled, but they've actually just no one gives a shit anymore? I mean, really, that's the same same group, right? Well, it's the same thing. It's the yeah. same thing. I yeah, mean, one is just John... they're aware that it's happened. The other one is they're completely unaware that it's happened. They yeah. think that like someone has organized a coup against them. John Cleese, for instance. Why is he still being inflicted upon us? Uh, because he refuses to die of old age. I don't think he should die. I think he should just go and retire. Like, shut uh, up. That's the same thing for like, people like him, right? You don't like re- he doesn't like reading The Guardian. Okay, we get it. You don't like reading The Guardian or whatever. Read a different newspaper. Read a fucking read the fucking Express or something. Go read a tablet. No, I will, re- I will only read the one paper and I will be always upset about it. This is all I will do. Yeah, I don't know. My, I, these, John Cleese isn't... Like, what, what's he done recently? You know what I mean? You think about it, you know, he has cameo parts. Like, he was... The dad in Charlie's Angels 2 or something. <laughs> and he has the whole awkward theme with like Matt LeBlanc. And other than what? that, it's like, yeah, yeah, there's in Charlie's Angels 2, but from like 2004 or 5. 
Six. Yeah. Maybe it's yeah. older than I'm thinking. Maybe maybe it's a little bit more recent than I'm thinking. Yeah, you Char- plays I think the Char- Char- Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, or one of these ones. That's the one, Full Throttle. That's the second ah. one. Uh, that's the one that has Lucy Liu in it. He's Lucy Liu's dad in the in the movie, and he has like a scene with Matt LeBlanc. Isn't he, I also... He's like their their handler. He's not like their da- he's not like Lucy Liu's dad. They're like, I'm pretty sure like... he's. I'm pretty sure he's Lucy Liu's dad. I think he's the guy who just gives like missions to them. Like he replaced Bill Murray. Oh. No, yeah, I'm Charlie's pretty Angels, sure Charlie Charlie's Angels is surely a family business. No, I'm it's pretty sure I'm pretty sure John Cleese is the dad character. Let me look it up here. Charlie's Angles. Oh shit, I did type Angles. <laughs> we need to put in some good, research. How good, that, how good would that be, Dan? Charlie's Angles, right? <laughs> set set in pre Saxon Britain. Oh, I thought you I genuinely thought we were talking about angles like mathematical angles for a second. It's like an acute <laughs> angle and an obtuse yeah. angle. And yeah, they don't get I, wrong for racial differences. I knew I was right. So Lucy Liu plays Alex Monday with a U, because, mm. you know, <clears throat> fuck him, I guess. Yeah. And John Cleese plays Mr. Monday, Alex's father. Ugh, fuck off. I the bet person he's, you're uh... thinking of uh, is Bernie Mac. Bernie Mac plays the <laughs> Plays Bosley and he gives out the missions. <laughs> so oh, okay. easy to get them confused. Bernie Mac and John Cleese, you know? Do you know, <laughs> who, do you know who didn't get, you know who never got irrelevant? Bernie Mac. It's because he died young. <laughs> Just like we all found it. Episode one. Pouring, pouring out for Bernie Mac. What a, the, what a hero. The moment I I'm gonna, hit relevant. I'm going to spare you guys talking about, I'm going to spare you guys any discussion of my favorite role of his, which is as the brother in Head of State, Mitch Gilliam. I loved him in Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. <laughs> I thought he was great. <laughs> in, in fairness, he probably was pretty good in those movies. I just don't remember. I but feel yeah, so like... You, you have that. I'm, while we're here, I'm going to look up John Cleese and see what he's been in recently. But he's only in cameos, right? Like, he's, he, he does cameos for, and he fucking just hates his life because he has to pay off a giant alimony bill. Yeah, and he just why, keeps why, making jokes why, about doing why, that. He has alimony? Oh, no. He has so much. I had no idea he, like he was divorced. Wives. Where, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he has multiple wives, <laughs> but I think that I think the Not last anymore, wife, I think the last wife in particular was a very messy divorce, and I think now Ouch. he has to spend like six months a year working stuff that he hates so that he can pay off the alimony bill. Ouch. It's very um, weird so, seeing him and the other pythons. I think they did like. How did he end up so circuit. bitter? He just doesn't <laughs> seem happy. <laughs> He's he's not. He's he's a guy that spends half of his year every year in like just misery, and then and then the other half of his year when he can like do things he wants to do, he just devotes to being more miserable. Like that's John Cleese's problem. But I'm looking at it here, right? And I'm not. I'm not far off. Like fucking hell, he was in the Pink Panther two as the chief inspector. Uh, he's in Shrek Forever After as King Harold. All movies, mm. I guarantee, he hates. Uh, he was the narrator for Winnie the Pooh at one point. He he was the Gov in Spud Two. Oh, what? The Gov in, the in Spud Two. Spud Two. Spud Two. Not an Irish film. He's also in Spud Three as again as both, the Gov. Why is there so much Spud? Spud One. Spud One was a classic of the. I'm going to assume erotic thriller genre. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm looking at it here, right? And so he's in stuff like Planes, where he voices one of the planes in the Disney movie. He's in Trolls, where he voices the King Troll or whatever. You know, most of his, all of his films here, he's going to be in Clifford the Big Red Dog. No wonder he fucking hates his life. These aren't like roles that other people would hate, but he obviously, these are obviously not roles that he wants. And you can see, like, if you look at them side by side, you can see the roles on the page that just he would never do if he didn't have to, like Trolls. And it's like, yeah, I'm not surprised that he fucking hates his life. 
Because then there's other stuff oh, there where he was in 13 episodes of Hold the Sunset, which seems like something that he would quite enjoy um, just because it's a bullshit fucking British television. And, you know, you know, John Cleese. Um, so, like, you have stuff like that. But then I think back and it's like, yeah, sorry, it's here as well, where he's in Entourage and he plays himself in Entourage. And, the, you know, every celebrity in Entourage, when they show up, is just so that they look like an asshole and they make fun of celebrity culture. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. See, so it's just, he... <laughs> Oh, he was also in Will and Grace for six episodes. <laughs> what? Yeah, he was in six episodes of Will six and Grace. Six episodes? Yeah. A recurring character in Will and Grace? How do these things How do these things even happen? Like, whose agent called who for that one? Will and Grace has a surprising amount of guest stars, right? And I, I was, uh-huh. I've already discussed, John Cleese has uh, a situation where he has to take up a bunch of jobs for the money. But <clears throat> it's really funny to look at it, because he's seen six episodes of Will and Grace, but it's not like he could have made that much from Will and fucking Grace, right? Like, when he mm-hmm. does Planes, the fucking Disney movie, you know, he gets a, probably a fairly substantial check from that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I have to spend eight weeks in a fucking vocal booth, but whatever, at least it's over now. And he just hates it. But then, like, you look at Will and Grace, you just think, like, you were only in six episodes. There's no way your six episodes could have been that valuable to you that it was worth the misery you inflict on yourself on a fucking daily basis. Come on. Mm. He just likes being miserable. I think he actually loved his ex-wife, and he only got divorced to be more miserable about it. That's my running uh-huh. theory now. Well, I mean, Ben, please, if you're listening, let me know. What's your feelings on your ex-wife? <laughs> he was nominated for an Emmy for being in Will and Grace. Why? Because it was a popular television show, and that's how that works. <laughs> <clears throat> and we got a super A-list actor in a, in a popular show. And no, gen- I, I, I genuinely, when, you, when Steve mentioned people who faded to irrelevance, I immediately went to see people who'd won Emmys in the 90s. Okay. And uh-huh. as, I was, as I was scrolling there, I realized it's just the fucking two dudes, the gay couple in Modern Family, just traded best supporting actor in a, in a, in a comedy. For the last 10 years. Them, like the last maybe, 10 it's a, maybe it's been a running joke for all that time. Maybe. <laughs> it's an Emmy Easter egg. But here, here's, is... here's one. Here's, looking at the comedy, the comedy Emmys, here's a bunch of people who faded to irrelevancy. I don't think they've claimed to be cancelled. But uh, I think ne- nearly all of the Friends cast are pretty irrelevant relative to how significant they were. Besides uh, Jennifer Aniston. What about Jennifer yeah. I was about yeah, to say Jennifer Aniston. the yeah. obvious exclusion there. But like Matt LeBlanc, I would say, is fairly irrelevant now. And, and Matt he was probably, probably the mo- he's probably the most popular member of that cast, though. I think he's the most popular member in like terms of a show, Matt LeBlanc is. Like Jennifer Aniston is definitely like the most overall popular. Um, mm. Who's the well, least well, you'd, have to, say, you'd have to say she's the breakout show. success of that show. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like not even close. Um, I mean, she must have made, obviously they made a fortune off Friends, but like she must have made four or five times the entire Friends yeah. run in her Hollywood yeah, yeah, yeah. run, if not a yeah. lot more. Like fucking hell, like she's been an A-list actor for fucking, what, so when the Friends end, early to 2004? 2003, I think. Something like yeah, that. She's been in like four movies. Of, she's been like The Rock. She's been in like four movies a fucking year <laughs> since 2003. And yet, I can't really think of that many good movies she's been in. Yeah, neither can I. But movies pop up all the time that have Jennifer Aniston in it. And I just think like, how the fuck could you possibly have done so many movies that I haven't at least heard of half of these? Like, it'll just pop up and you see Jennifer Aniston. You're just thinking like, oh, she's in a movie with fucking... Kate Beckinsale and fucking, I don't know, Mark Ruffalo in like 2008. And it's like, how? how? Like, well, how did this just slide? On our Wikipedia page, it says her biggest box office successes include Bruce Almighty, The Breakup, Marley and Me, Just Go With It, and Horrible Bosses, and We're the Millers. 
none of no. which are terrible movies, but none of them we want to be well, your career films. peak. You don't want them to be your career peak either. I I would yeah. I would have I would have been uh, I would have gone first guess for the breakup would have shown up probably first or second on that list when you started reading. Yeah, breakup is like a weird cult classic thing. I don't get it. It's a very like average romantic comedy. Um, with like the whole premise just being like, what if they don't get together? And it's like, all right. <laughs> and then what? It's like, well, that, that's it. I'm... It's an anti-rom. <laughs> well, that's just the whole marketing was like literally like, what if it's reverse? What if they're already together and then they break up, but we never put them back together? It's like, okay. But like, then what mm. happens? Well, that's it. And it's like, oh. So like the first 10 minutes of the movie are, are the movie. It's like, yeah, yeah, okay. okay. But in fairness to them, at least they respected you enough in the fucking 2000s to make that 90 minutes and you're done. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> That's a fucking four-hour epic now. And there's probably a flashback scene to when they're like 18 and first meeting that goes on for 45 minutes. Every scene is improvised. You know, they have like 100 cuts and they show you all of them over the credits to talk about how look how funny we could have been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, that's, I have problems with modern movies. Yeah, I would have guessed. Uh, yeah, the, the entire Friends cast, I guess, are, are have gone into irrelevancy at this point, bar Jennifer Aniston. I guess most of the modern family cast have too, really. Yeah, but it hasn't really been long enough for them to be like definitively irrelevant. Like, I feel like your man uh, who plays Phil Ty Burrell is in stuff all the time, just kind of mm-hmm. as like supporting comedy roles. I, which I can don't sustain know. You can stay can sustain your relevancy for a long time. Yeah, I, I mean, I know they're doing stuff, but like, I just I haven't heard them in anything. Like the I can, I can never remember her name, but the girl that plays the mother in it, she was in. Horrible Bosses Mac- too, and also she was in um, Melissa McCarthy movie where she goes to college. Yeah, and also she's in uh, that Adam Sandler film from last year, Hubie Halloween. She's a love interest, like co-star in that. So she's been in stuff that you've like at least I've at least seen, but the others I haven't. I actually I've just thought of the most cracking example of a cast that not the entire cast, but members of the cast that faded to irrelevancy. Okay, every yeah. single child in Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what's where really important? Where do they go? Is... What are they doing? Are they are they essentially child I, stars I, now? Former child I think, stars? I think some of them. Are, yeah, I think essentially they've withdrawn from acting, and they're like, "We're done now. We made our I, Malcolm money." I think. Yeah. And then, like, especially it's especially pronounced <laughs> because Brian Cranston afterwards became like the biggest star on <laughs> <in> television. <laughs> in fairness, rather, though, un- rather unexpectedly. In fairness, though, he is the best actor on that show. You know, he's. You look at him and like, it's weird as well because I see every now and again, I'll see like a Malcolm Middle clip and I think like, <laughs> man, this fucking, this guy went on to like win like major acting awards, like mo- like year yeah. on year on year on year on year. And like, this is him in really like comically tight white underwear slapping his like fat dad belly in a mirror as yeah. the show intros. And it's like, fucking, <laughs> like this, like, th- what a guy. Unfortunately, but, now, like we all know, what's going to happen is that Brian Cranston's going to get the same role over and over again, which is yeah. uh, good guy does bad thing for good reason, um, <laughs> and we're going to live with that forever. And they're going to get increasingly worse. Like I heard that show where he's the judge. Uh, I heard episode one was great, and people were telling me you should watch it. And then those same people came back to me and they went, "Yeah, episode three on is kind of <laughs> not very good." And I was like, "Oh, okay. So you're saying that the first hour is interesting." The second episode falls off completely. And then by episode three, you're like, hey, I don't want to watch this anymore. <laughs> and it's like, all right, cool. So we've already hit the point where Breaking Bad over and over again is not going to work. Good, good, good. That's good. That's that's probably for the best here. I was I was watching The Disaster Artist. Better call. The movie about the oh, yeah. Of the room, oh, and Brian Cranston is in that playing yeah. himself. Like is in he? Malcolm in the Middle yeah. Days. Yeah. Yeah. That's he, a like, great movie. That's a really good movie. I watched that on the plane over 
to LA because uh, I had to kill 12 hours. And I was thinking like, oh, I've never watched this. I've obviously seen the so room. you watched it six times, obviously. I watched it seven and a half and then I finished it on the <laughs> way home. I finished the half that I couldn't watch. Um, yeah, so that, that's a good movie. I really like that one a lot. Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle is a good one. Frankie Muniz tried to come back to acting a few years back. And uh, I don't know if he was never a good actor or if he's just not now. But you know when you have like like child actors that have been acting for like, you know, from the time they're like little kids to like their mid to late teens and then they take a break to do whatever. We watched a movie recently enough where one of the Sprouse twins who had went to college and stopped acting or whatever was playing like in this indie like thriller film. And it wasn't a very good film, but he was very clearly like the best character in it. Like he was very clearly the most experienced. He was the best actor. You know, you could definitely tell that this guy is, you know, leaps and bounds above the rest of the cast. You know, it's a small indie film and he has yeah. a lot of experience. Frankie Muniz done a horror film a few years back called like Black String or something like that. And not only is the film shit, Frankie Muniz is really, really bad at acting in it. And you kind of think like, oh, oh, no. I was talking about this the other day with Aoife. We were talking about this, this fucking movie for some reason. And I was saying to her like, yeah, you know, when a, when a child actor comes back to acting for a little bit, you normally think like, they're not necessarily the greatest actor, but they're very clearly the greatest actor in this production. Like they're, this person is very clearly like the top, the top actor here doing it for a long time you know they've had a lot of experience they've worked with a lot of experienced people you can't really find someone better on a small budget when they're just looking to break back into the industry <laughs> but then you see frankie muniz and he was real bad he wasn't a very good actor in it at all the movie wasn't very shame. good he should, be, he should be bankable yeah he should well, be bankable he, maybe the material was shit he should be Asian I mean, he, goes, Banks. he goes he goes he goes from a like you know prime time big budget like commercial success like Malcolm in the Middle and you know surely they've got professional people doing the scripts and shit for that but like you go to some B-roster indie flick and maybe the script writer is just really shit and the director is just really shit yeah but you know, maybe like, it doesn't all fall maybe he had bad material to work with you know maybe he just needed I mean, a little bit more nurturing as an actor and the whole experience put him off he definitely had the bad maybe. bad material I'll give I'll give him yeah. that much credit it was bad material <laughs> like I mean you know you could have put anyone in that role they wouldn't have been particularly a very good movie but uh yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things where it's like I don't know, maybe he'll get another shot somewhere else, but it's not particularly likely. <laughs> it's it's not great. I mean, I really don't want to look it up because I don't want to find out that he actually wrote and produced the film himself. <laughs> <laughs> like that would make it so much worse. Where it's like, oh, not only are you a shit actor in this, but you're also the shit writer, shit director, and a uh, you know shit production company. I, oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, dude. Frankie Muniz, if you're listening, would you like to come on our show? I can call, we can call arrange it. We can arrange it. We can arrange a, a recording time to call. Have your agent call us. Listen, I'm putting it out there in the universe right now. I guarantee you, Frankie Muniz will be much more fun on this podcast than he was in the Black String. I would yeah. fucking put any amount of money in the world on. Also, you know, started, what if we started going to press junkets and just setting up, like setting up our podcast kit? We get a, <laughs> in the we get middle a three of minutes, <laughs> No, we get a, we get a three minute slot with like. We get, we get a 10-minute slot with, I don't know, like The Rock or something at a press junket. And the three of us just march in with our podcast gear and say, hello, The Rock, you're now on our podcast. <laughs> see, see, I don't, got, we got 10 minutes with you. Let's go. I don't, think the Rock, I don't think The Rock would like to do a small insert again. I think he'd rather do the entire episode like the last time. Um, so I think, I think we have to work at a time with his agent to sit down. Um, I actually heard recently We're that not getting another shot. We I, he told I, us this. 
I know, I know. He said, but I'm I sorry, think... boys. He's really sorry, but like he's I given us our time enough, already. I think with enough fan backlash, I think he might realize that you know what? I really, I need to, I need to keep up, and I need to do a second episode of Morning Brew. And I know people are going to get upset, right? And I know well, he only like, works but... professional. He only works for professionals. That's what his agent said last time after the last debacle with losing the recording. Well, we can't uh, look. We can't, we can't we, do that again. We've been over that before, though. I mean, you know, The Rock was the weakest part of that episode. We've been over this. Uh, you know, I, I think. <laughs> I think no great loss, he says. it's probably for the best that the first one failed because when he does mm. the second one, inevitably, it will be so much better. And yeah. like, no one will even miss the first one. No you point know? putting it out unless it's going to be right. You I'm, know? I'm already like playing the second episode in my head and it hasn't happened yet. It's way better. Like he's, I can, he's <laughs> nailing it. Like I'm, I don't even miss the first one anymore. Like he's just I'm firing on all cylinders. He's had like four coffees. He's missed an espresso with a monster. He's just fucking going for it. <laughs> Watch the rock die live on air. <laughs> yeah, there's no, we'd, a. We'd inevitably, we'd inevitably forget to like record the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> the rock died, died, died live on our podcast, and we lost the fucking thing. Sorry, guys. We still have the audio though. If you want to, like, you know, animate them or something. Hello, hello. Good... Dwayne. Dwayne, are you all right? Are you still with us? Dwayne, could someone call Dwayne's producer? Dwayne, Dwayne doesn't seem to be responding. I think he's fallen down. Do you think? Do you think okay? Could rock... someone go check on him? Do you think if The Rock was on the ground not breathing, the paramedic at the scene would give him the people's elbow to try and revive him? <laughs> and then it actually does revive him. He pops right up like, oh shit. Oh shit. I'm some jabroni. <laughs> His first words after getting revived is, I'm a jabroni. <laughs> I can't believe I let a heart failure get to me like that. I feel like The Rock wants to come on here now just to fucking set the record straight. <laughs> I mean, you heard we were talking shit. We're not talking <laughs> shit. We're just saying the truth. And look, there's no harm in that. Everyone has an off day, you know. Yeah. And maybe he had just had one of his like fucking eight thousand calorie pancake breakfasts, and he just he wasn't he was sluggish. He couldn't perform. I understand. I would have been the same. I have the same problem. Yeah. So you know, we have to. We just got to accept that. But yeah, I think that's a good shout for the. Uh, I think Malcolm in the Middle's cast is probably a good shout for everyone that's not Brian Cranston. And I literally mean everyone. I think every guest cameo, every side actor, every main cast member that's not named Brian Cranston, I think they all just... See you later. Hayden Panettiere was on that show, so she she did okay. Hayden Panettiere was on fucking... Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think she was the babysitter who like manipulates them. I don't remember that. I'd love to rewatch Malcolm in the Middle. Netflix should get on that. Netflix, I'm officially saying you can take away our sponsorship money for our Netflix original that you never heard and give it to Malcolm in the Middle. Frankie Muniz would be nice to see him get another little payday out of it too. That's good. You should do that. I can already tell you what Netflix's response is going to be. Yes. <laughs> we paid too no. much for Friends. <laughs> Maybe. I think I, don't I think know. Jane Cat I think Jane Katzmark's uh, role as Lois is like the defining like there's nothing else in her career. Well, no, well maybe not. Hang on. Um well, so it's just it just goes like TV part, TV part, TV part, TV part, TV part, 10 episodes, TV part, TV movie, TV movie, TV movie, TV movie. Then a program called Equal Justice in 1991, a, a legal drama. Then six episodes, episode, 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 all through the 90s. Episode mm -hmm. nine, this, episode five episodes. 2000, 2006, Malcolm in the Middle, Lois, 151 episodes, American Comedy Award for Funniest Female Performer in a TV Series, Satellite Award for Best Actress, TV Critics Association Award for Individual Achievement in Comedy, Golden Globe for Best Actress, Primetime Emmy, Satellite Award for Best Actress, Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor for Two Years, nominated for the Teen Choice Award for TV Actress in Comedy, Viewers for Quality TV Award for Best Actress in a Quality Comedy Series. Wow. The Simpsons, recurring part for eight episodes. 
help me help you tv part tv part 23 episodes of something called raising the bar in 2008 which is another legal tv drama bit part bit part bit part voice work bit part 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 yeah and now she's into plays well yeah that's usually where it goes that's usually where it goes right yeah although in fairness look at the fucking the how i met your mother cast is similar you know, the, the most marketable one out of that was, was Neil Patrick Harris, and he immediately went back to doing Broadway because I guess he was like, hey, I'm rich now. I don't got to do this shit anymore. And also, <laughs> and, and also, I did two Smurf movies which really fucking killed Hollywood for me, so I guess yeah. I'm just going to do Broadway because I like that more. He was in imagine how much Imagine how much more fun you'd have if you were like a, a Broadway person like Neil Patrick Harris very clearly is, or like yeah. you're just into theater. And yeah. Just, just the chance Broadway to... Also get to be I mean, I guess the quality of life doing a, broad, doing a series of Broadway shows as the most bankable star anywhere on Broadway must be pretty nice. So you don't have to work too hard for starters. Yeah. Get to do your song and dance routines, stay fit and healthy, train a bit, you know, lots of time off in the off season. What more would you want? Just, just, just like you I think I think uh, I think Dan, being entirely honest, the chances of me uh, having a career in acting in anything other any other role than character actor <laughs> in a western in a western indie show where uh, in, in which he sits as a bag of oats on top of a donkey uh, i can't see that being uh, i can't see myself having any other career in film or tv other than that as a, than as a character actor also it sounds like you don't want one either it sounds like that's the career you want <laughs> So you're talking to the director, sit like a bag of oats, gotcha. I can, I can, I can do a bag of wheat. Is that good enough? <laughs> Some sort of grain bag. No, like, you, you know those, like, you know, your fat fat old prospector, like Man from Laramie, the, the guy with the beard who just leaves halfway through the film, that guy. So basically, Jack is a Walter Houston in The Treasure yes. of the Sierra Madre. That's who you yes. want What's your that, prospector that, I see. Like? I see that as being, I see that if I'm to have any role, if I'm ever to make a career as an actor, which I don't think is particularly likely, but that's the only prospect for me at this point because Go. my knee is too sore to get a song and dance routine situation going okay so there's a mobile what if you play one of those like lecherous de- decadent romans who just lies on a couch all day yeah yeah perfect bring me the olive oil i think you're just playing hedonism boss at this stage <laughs> all right so- and on the dancing girls so here's here's my topic then La- uh, so recently the first trailer for the wheel of time tv series came out and I got in a big... So I read those when I was a kid. For those people who don't know, it's a big fantasy series. There's like 12 books. There's 12 books. The guy fucking couldn't finish it before he died. And they had to get in the, the permanent fixer of fantasy series, Brandon Sanderson, to write it. So it took, it took him, I think, by the end, like four years a book. And Brandon Sanderson did the final two in like two years. So it's Yeah, because he was being paid to do them. That's definitely what's going to happen to George Orwell Martin. He's not going to finish him and Brandon's going to come. But anyway, it's a 12-book series. It's very fucking long and a shit ton happens. I was trying to remember half of it and couldn't. Oh, yeah. And it looks like they're adapting it and they're, 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 the first season is going to be the first book. And I was thinking, they, there's no fucking way that they can do 12 seasons of this. And so, Oh, those ones. I've never read those. The Robert Jordan ones. Yeah, they're okay. There's a bit of there's definitely some everywhere. sexual politics going in there, but they're 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 fairly like I think nah, it's like it was the, the 90s. example of not Lord of the Rings. You know, like yeah. the, the the fantasy stereotype of like there's yeah. the the farm boy and he has to leave home after not orcs attack. In this case, they're called uh-huh. Trollocs. Um, Troglodytes. The Trollocs, just but yeah, Trollocs. some oh. interesting combination of troglodyte and troll. Um, but yeah, so so my question is. 
if there's something you really really love a property like a book <coughs> or a comic or something that you know is being adapted do you want it adapted as faithfully as possible or do you want it that it works because i think if they put wheel of time into into tv show format and they do 12 seasons of it it's going to be four seasons maybe of it being good before it runs out of steam or jumps the shark like i think you definitely need to compress and adapt i want a good film or a good tv series not a good representation of the book so uh, i think i think uh, all tv shows of major series such as that should be very very tightly focused in scope if not made as fan fiction of the original material. Made as, made as a fanfic that doesn't engage with the main storyline. Set in the universe, not engaging with the main storyline, or only tangentially. Like, is, is the best adaptation <laughs> of any material, surely not the Lord of the Rings movies, which simultaneously deal the entire plot and give all of the key moments and yet cut out fucking Tom Bombadil and all the unrelated, unimportant stuff. Like, is, is that... Is, is that not like the theoretical perfection of what you want an adaptation to be? No, I think Tom Bombadil should have been left in Lord of the Rings. So you've never forgiven them for that. That's all you wanted from Lord of the Rings. I think there should have been a musical number in The Fellowship of the Ring. I think there should have been, I think The Fellowship of the Ring should have been a musical from start to finish. I, like, so I just I, I guess my point is that for me something where you can take advantage of of TV and movies to give the, the 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 fans something that they can't get anywhere else in that case something immersive feeling like oh wow that's what the world looked like mm-hmm. or that's what how they dress or that's what they look like or that's you know what the battle would have felt like i think all of that's really worthwhile and really cool mm-hmm. um but the problem is when you go too too authentic and you include tom bombadil or you include how a full sixth of the entire lord of the rings is spent in the shire you lose a kind of a sense of narrative momentum that's way worse and feels way more clunky and boring on tv is a full sixth of the book i suppose it i suppose a good sixth yeah a whole sixth of it around gandalf comes first and first is the entire first and last book is the entire first and last book set in the shire no there's like a, right. a solid a solid amount of the first one is just frodo like i think frodo spent like 10 years financially planning to leave he doesn't go on the adventure he, like, <laughs> he, he subleases everything he sets it up so he can come back to a nice nest egg and then there's yeah. a solid end of the book where they've defeated Sauron and they're just like they come home and there's some nasty men have taken over the village and they've got a whole yeah. bunch of chapters about defeating the nasty men there's a huge there's a surprising I portion do recall of that, yeah. in the Shire isn't that a isn't that a um, isn't that a you know by failing to engage with that part aren't we um Failing to engage with the consequences of violence and failing yeah, to engage you're, you're with the consequences gonna, of war. You fail, you're always going to fail to engage with stuff in an adaptation, but I think at the same, you can get it's just about how you tell a story. A does it not lose? More, does it not lose the message of the book to talk about the triumphalism of war and not talk about the consequences of it to people back on the home front, uh, as represented by the Shire? Potentially, but it gets across other themes in the book. A book didn't have one theme, mm. so I don't know. For me, I think like so, I think it's a, I think it's an important historical. Bit of historical context to the Lord of the Rings books. They're you know written against the shadow of <laughs> Europe and turmoil and all that, and Nazi Germany being defeated, and the impacts of the conflict and the defeat of you know the heroic defeat of evil, but also the also how that reflects on the idealized society in the form of the Shire, the society that was idealized by specifically the Brits. But you know, doesn't that does yeah, is, yeah. is that is that now is that aspect of the story now completely irrelevant to us? And should it be? Well, it's not irrelevant in the sense that people can still read the books and they're still there. Certainly, it's probably more relevant in part of the movies, but also the <laughs> movies are more about spectacle and, you know, mm. char- but the, I guess the point isn't even 
about that kind of English lit reading of stuff and saying, okay, <clears throat> this is the theme and this changes, but it's about it's successful in the sense that people like them. You watch it and you <clears throat> don't think this is boring or you watch it and you don't think this may as well not have been an adaptation. They could have just done something like, cause you know, you have some adaptations <clears throat> which change so fucking much that there's essentially no point in them adapting it to begin with. Why would you even <clears throat> look at it? And then you have other ones which just show everything and it's so <clears throat> unnecessary. So do, you know what just... the out, do you know what annoys the fuck out of me? Star what? Trek. Star Trek's episodic nature coming back and then remaking episodes from the original TV series. Like, come up with some original sci-fi concepts instead of just, like, reskinning the original ones as a remake of the same fucking it's, program. It, isn't it because they annoying. did that one episode um, where they were, like, technically... There's loads happening. of these. What, didn't they do one, like, it was technically happening at the same time as an original series episode? And uh, they won, like, an award for it. So then they were like, oh, what a great idea. Let's keep doing that. Yeah, now Star Trek Discovery. Now Star Trek Discovery has like fucking three versions of the Enterprise flying around the same timeline, avoiding each other. Like for fuck's sake, how far does this fucking go? <laughs> All right, we get it. There's a multiverse. Please just leave us alone and just, let's have our adventure in this one, please. They're, they're off about to solve a mission. <laughs> they say, "Oh fuck, we can't. We're already there." <laughs> The version of us where we all have mustaches and eye eye patches is over there. (laughs) I think one of the best jokes ever about multiverses is the one in Futurama, where they go to the edge of the universe and can see the they they look across to the other universe, and it's the exact same except they're all cowboys. Yeah. Well, are there other multiverses? No, it's just these two. (laughs) Yeah. The 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 other the other one was great was the parallel universe and where it was. Okay, you you guys be universe one. We'll be universe A. <laughs> yeah. Um, Do you know what yeah. I refuse to see adapted? Any Terry Pratchett books. I hate them. They're all terrible. I hate all the adaptions I've seen of them. Hogfather, shit. That's a classic example of why do they even adapt this if they're not going to yeah. keep the They adapted for the Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm on the other side of the, the coin here. Ten years ago, I would have been, I would have had, probably had a different mindset to it, but not anymore. I feel like the original material shouldn't ever be directly adapted like mm. ever in any other <laughs> format because it's never the same person adapting it like if mm. someone wrote a book and then that same person said hey i'm gonna try and make a movie with this and they were trying to make the movie i would understand a bit more i would give them the credit where that person is trying to do something but it's not it's usually a whole bunch of people adapting it for a completely different medium and essentially just kind of making it for a completely different audience essentially like I feel like people think that a book getting adapted to a movie is for people that read the book, but realistically, it's fucking not. It's for people that would never read the book to go see the movie mm. and be like, man, that's cool. Um, and that's the same with like those TV shows and stuff. Um, you know, when they, they, Sky used to do that shit all the time, like Stephen said with the Terry Pratchett stuff, where they put money into making a TV show, although never enough money or enough care for it to matter. But I feel like that's, that, that's fine. That's part of the process. You know, if you, if you go to adapt something, and you do a poor job at adapting it, well, then that particular product is shit. But, like, I feel like it should always be different. I feel like it should always be... Like, you can you can try and be loyal to the source material, but you also have to really cut out the faff. Like, you have to realize that, like, hey, this is eight episodes long, and they're only 40 minutes each, and there's a whole lot of stuff. Maybe there's a whole character that doesn't make sense to include under the time limits you're in, and you cut them out entirely, and you, you split their role in the story between other people to make it make more sense, that's fine. But the adaption should be different. I always feel like the adaption should be its own thing. And it's why I don't understand why people get upset when a remake of a movie happens. Because they basically, 
in their head think of the remake as being a shot for shot as the original and that's how they compare it and i wouldn't want to see that in fact if i went to see like when they were they said hey we're going to put out a new version of blade runner that movie fucking ruled that blade runner movie that came out a few years back fucking ruled that was awesome and if i had or whatever it is yeah yeah fucking awesome absolutely rocked great movie and it was one of those movies where it's like it's just under three hours long and when it was over i honestly felt like you know what I didn't think that was almost three hours long. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a near three hour long movie. I thought it was about two. Like it just, it flowed well. I thought it was a great movie. But people then re- immediately started thinking of Blade Runner 1. And it's like, if this was shot for shot, say this was line for line, shot for shot, delivery by delivery, exactly the same, just new, just a new set of actors. Would you not be more upset? Would you be more upset leaving that cinema being like, I can't fucking believe... I, I just spent fucking 20 quid or whatever a cinema ticket is these days to go and see the same fucking film just with a new coat of paint over top. I, I did that see- once. They remade Psycho shot for shot. Vince Vaughn was in it. Um, and like literally shot for shot. It just isn't in color. He, isn't he in like two of them? There's like that one. And then there's a fu- there's like four Psycho movies and three of them are TV only. Like, mm. and I, mean, I mean like Psycho 1, 2, 3, and 4. And I think he's in all of them. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, but, I yeah. I never watched the Vince Vaughn one because they, they literally re- and people were like, can't. "Why is why has this been done?" This is well, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't see the point in this, and I've had this recently because I I got told that there was a new that they basically had remade uh, Shaman King, which is an old like a real old manga, like a real old manga, Jesus. But they had basically, the animation had like a whole bunch of problems. And the, the, I think the writer was like depressed at the time and he wasn't finishing the story. And then he was like going to go to court and stuff. It's like a whole deal. But I heard that like they're bringing, they have a new one in production and it's him finishing it out the way he wanted to do originally. And I thought, okay, cool. And I seen clips and I was looking at clips and I was thinking like, I think I'm being pranked because I'm pretty sure I haven't seen this fucking thing in like probably 15, 16 years, but I'm pretty sure I'm watching the exact same shit. I'm pretty sure this is identical to what I just fucking seen. And I said this back to them, and what I was told was like, it's mostly identical, but it's going to change after like the first like half. And I was thinking like, then why not just do the second half? Why the fuck am I rewatching something that you've already done shot for shot? Get the fuck out of here. I'm not watching this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the first like 20 episodes of this are going to be basically the exact same. And some of the voice actors will be all the same. And like the plot points will all be the same. But then after that, it's going to change. Oh, okay. <laughs> sign me up i guess get the fuck out of here dude i don't want to see that make it new new or nothing you don't have to do it again but if you're gonna do it again make it new demand stimulation make it's the main funny. character black why not fucking do it let's change it all up it's funny how you mentioned um you, you mentioned earlier like the audiences for the film product and mm-hmm. the audiences for the original literary project being probably quite different um and a pretty pretty interesting example of this is, of course, Starship Troopers. Um, mm-hmm. Crazy film, of course. Really, really popular. I think it was, I don't know. Let, let's look up the stats. Starship Troopers, where are we going here? Um, 1997 American sci-fi film. Oh, I was going to say 97. It made, it grossed 54 million in the US and 121 million worldwide against a budget of 105 million. Is that a flop? That's a flop, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's a cult yeah. classic, I think. But it's like, okay, cult, cult classic. And there's apparently a lot of sequels that I didn't know about. But very few people, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's read the book because obviously he's a massive sci-fi nerd. I read every sci-fi book I could get my fucking hands on. And there's always these lists of sci-fi award-winning books on the back of the other books. So you've loads of stuff to 
find yourself immersed in. But what becomes readily apparent is that like these lists are basically dominated by American writers and a sort of transatlantic post-war writerly elite who kept giving each other awards and becoming more and more right-wing as the kind of time went on. Robert A. Heinlein being the absolute pinnacle of this. For instance, my favorite book of his, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, is about a libertarian revolution on the moon in which they rain down meteorites or barges full of space barges full of uh space barges full of rock on earth during a war with the earth and it's just like haha bitch that's what you get for trying to control this with your fucking government no tax for us anyway uh the original starship troopers book is all about militarism and how you know that service guarantees citizenship would you like to know more situation robert yeah. heinen actually advocated this this was this was his political <laughs> philosophy that wasn't a spoof the film is a spoof of the book and it's extreme weird militaristic weirdness like that bit in the classroom <laughs> where he's just like the only people who are citizens are soldiers and former military veterans and you have to get like, lose a couple of arms before you can vote robert a heinlein was all for that what year was it written 59 so height of the korean war when nearly Makes everyone sense. had hooked off off to like when most of most of the adult population and the adult male population had uh had fought or a huge proportion of the adult male population had fought in the second world war or, you know, served in the armed forces in some capacity. Yeah. Basically fetishizing that and suggesting that the franchise should be limited to them because it'll keep the draft dodgers and whatever else like away from it. You're talking like tantamount to L Ron Hubbard levels of weirdness and incredibly patriarchal. He's another, he's another book about the apocalypse. It's probably forgotten what it's called. Um, about a post-apocalyptic scenario in which um, this lad who has a bunker, uh, a nuclear fallout bunker, gets bombed to fuck, and him and his family are the only are among the only survivors in their area, uh, because of course they had such for he had such foresight. The father of the family in so it, uh, it's, it's all just a right wing libertarian yeah, wet dream. Yeah, 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 exactly, absolute libertarian wet dream. I like I and, like the description that they awarded themselves into right wing extremism. Well, I don't know if they awarded themselves into right-wing extremism. I think they probably these ideas probably developed for themselves over a wee while. But uh, you know, engineering nerdy types, proximate to the military, and coming up with some of those same ideas. He, but they're just talking about you know, it's just a, it's just this like father of the house in this particular book whose name escapes me now. Hang on, I'll see if I can think what it is. Um, my only recollection of it, my, my only recollection of it has been just like this father figure rushing people around the bunker, bossing all the women around, just basically being in charge of this, you know, his extended family and neighbors and this other weak, this weak man who can't boss people around. And it's just all about him bossing women around and telling them what to do while he like jacks up or, or arranges for the leveling off of the bunker out of the muck field where it's been digging out of the thing. It's so weird. And it's, you know, a very, very strange vision of the future. But, you know, fantasizing about the whole concept of having multiple wives in a post-apocalyptic scenario to repopulate the Earth and stuff, seem to be really into that. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you look, so, like, you look at, like, that's, that's a great example. So you look at Starship Troopers, the movie, and, like, it's a very Absolute different version. Yeah, and, but it's great, though. Like, that's a, Starship Troopers is, is a very good movie. It's, like, real dumb 90s movie, but it's great. Like, it's a good watch. It's nice. It's short. It just it flows well. It's good. CGI yeah. definitely does not hold up. So <laughs> I haven't seen it in a long time, but I guarantee you it does not hold up. 
Don't, don't go back to expecting the CG to be fucking great because I remember being great as a kid and it's definitely not. It's definitely not at all. It was like Terminator 1. I always remember Terminator 1 as having like, like, because Terminator 2 has great effects and obviously it's, you know, yeah. mostly practical. But I always think back to Terminator 1 and anytime I ever go back to watch it, I just, I look at the weird like stop motion animation, like exoskeleton scene. And it's like, like it Harryhausen, wasn't it? It was Roy Harryhausen. They got in to do it or something. Yeah, so and it's it, the Argonauts guy. I, I'm sure. I'm sure at the time, like when that movie first came out, you go to see it in the cinema. I'm sure that was fucking mind blowing. Mm. Not too long later, it's not mind blowing, and I don't even mean like now it's not. I mean like it hasn't been in uh, probably since about six years after that movie came out. <laughs> it's a, it's a very it's a very poor effect. It's really <laughs> disjointed. It's not great. But yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I don't think any adaption is really ever made for the original fan. I think people assume that the name value will bring in sales and the hope is that it will. But I think mm. any new adaption of almost anything is made for an entirely different audience. And I guarantee you they don't even think about um, the prior audience as, as an example. I guarantee Disney did not think, hey, you know what's really fucking cool comic books? Yeah. I bet they thought, hey, you know what's a fucking wide open market right now? A major Hollywood action blockbuster movie because they're all the same and they're losing money. What if we came in and we did Iron Man? Huh. And I'd imagine that's how those talks came. The talks didn't come from like, yeah, we really hope the comic book, people that buy comic books, because comic books are a failing fucking industry, come in to buy a cinema ticket, which costs three times what a comic book costs. You know, huh. these guys can't even keep comic books alive. Never mind fucking a movie industry. We're aiming this at fucking parents and their kids. <laughs> no, fucking, it's like $4 for a fucking comic book, like, and the comic books are all failing and dying out, whereas it's like 15 quid for a fucking cinema ticket. So, you know, I guarantee you they never think of that. And it's the same with books. There's no way anyone thought when Lord of the Rings was coming out, hey, you know what we should do? Lord of the Rings. I bet the people that love the Lord of the Rings books will really fucking love this. No, they thought, hey, there's room for a big fantasy Hollywood blockbuster set of movies. Mm. And they pitched it and the pitch went well and they made the movies. But I guarantee there was never a conversation on if the book fans will like it. Like they're not, they're a complete afterthought. This is, this is who we're aiming this at. Like this, this is being aimed at like, you know, 15 no, year old aimed, at a, aimed at a mass audience Simple yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah and they're mass, mass marketing I think if you look at the effort that they put in to recreating stuff, like you look at like kind of the level of lore that they go into and the way they uh, con uh, consulted with Christopher Talk, like they didn't need to do any of that if they didn't give a shit about what the fans would have thought. I think they probably didn't want exclusively the fans to like it, but they definitely didn't want the fans to hate it, which would have probably killed it. Stillborn, you know. I don't think it would kill. When was the last? When was the last time that Hollywood came up with a? character as strong as any of the intellectual properties that they are now mining like an original character whose first appearance is in a hollywood film john wick is john wick a john hollywood? Wick maybe yeah, yeah i guess john wick is good john wick's a good example john, john wick is an example isn't taken from anything much yeah no, like, no i guess no, okay. john wick. i don't think so i think john wick is i think john yeah. wick is a just straight up movie. i don't think there's a i know there's like a graphic novel and stuff now but i think that's all came yeah. after i think the movie came okay. first John Wick, uh, I dig it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Matrix. Any others? The Matrix. So, <laughs> go it's all go just fucking, so it's all just fucking Keanu, yeah. Yeah. Bill, uh, Bill well, nobody's, had, nobody's had an original idea except Keanu. Yeah. Or about anything except Keanu in fucking someone, three someone decades. Someone said, "Hey, we were reading this book and we want to, uh, we got to adapt it into a movie." And he went, "Oh, but what if uh, Bill and Ted?" <laughs> and they, they looked at him. They looked at him and they said, "What the fuck is Bill and Ted?" And he just smiled at them. And then next thing you know. Four Bill and Ted movies have hit cinemas. 
mean, he appeared in Dracula, so I think he decided appearing in other people's in, in, in non-original material wasn't going to work for him. Yeah, that's what killed it. He was like, "No, I need originals. I can't do this. I, mean, I, I can't do this classic acting bullshit. I need yeah. originals." But I, I'm, I'm like, has the has there been apart from and there's John Wick? Are there any other franchises that are purely a Hollywood creation with no supporting material? I mean, I know obviously, look, everything is fucking derivative, but yeah, we've got John Wick and. And John oh, yeah. Wick is the biggest fucking franchise going. You at, you, well, it's, one of the biggest, anyway. If you look at the top grossing movies of all time, I mean, I Ab- guess Avatar. I, is, yeah, is I guess. I guess Avatar. Well, so with Avatar, right? I don't so believe it's the fa- Avatar. It's the, Fast and the, it's the Fast and the Furious and John, and John Wick. Wick. <laughs> yeah, and, and it looks. Avatar. Like I'm sorry. Avatar is not an. Avatar is not important. Also, Avatar is not a franchise. I know he keeps saying that he has two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine in the books or whatever. But like those movies are supposed to be coming out for the last five years. I don't think they exist. I don't think they're ever going to be in Avatar two. I really don't. I don't think Avatar two ever comes out. They're one according to this. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah. I guess I guess Star Wars, but I don't think any of the the new characters probably count. As you have to go back to the seventies for it to be original. I'd say I'd say yeah. the new characters count. I mean, they were in a, mm. a series of three blockbuster movies. You know, some mm. some fucking dork might have been like, ah, these movies all sucked, but like they still made like fucking three billion dollars a pop. Like, so I mean, I don't think that really matters, does it? I mean, I, I just said the exact opposite about Avatar, but like, who who's in Avatar? Those blue guys. There aren't uh, any characters in Avatar. I think the girl's name is Neytiri, but I don't know why I remember that. I don't know what any of their names... I, I really don't. I can't remember anything about Avatar. I never even liked Avatar that much. No. You got the Smurfs, and you got the military industrial... You got, like, the Starship Troopers, and that's it. Yeah, like, out of, like, the out of, like, Starship modern, Trooper minor guys. Out of, like, Hollywood now, like, what's what's currently being put out. Yeah, it's it's all, it's all like, directly sourced from somewhere else, you know? Obviously, the mm-hmm. biggest fucking movies now of all time are... Are Marvels the Marvel films, and they're all based on comic books. So you know, you can say I like, oh, well, the comic books are original, but you know, that's that's it's, still it's that you still can't get hang your hand in that. What, what do we think? You know, what do we think the popular. next? What Sorry, do we think the next? No, I just say it's the original focus group. If you take something mm. that's that's already yeah. been popular, you know that the character has something that resonates with yeah. people. Whereas if you put out something original, you're essentially just fucking hoping. But also, yeah, yeah, that's true. What do we think? is going to replace the Marvel Cinematic Universe slash superheroes in the public consciousness or the filmic com- consciousness as the next big fucking fad in film. I I don't know. Because, I mean... I, well, if, like, you I that, would... if you knew that, obviously, you'd be, in the, you'd be in the fucking movies, but... Well, like, these, so these films, right, these are going to go on for the next, like, God knows how many years. Uh, yeah. Because even if Disney's like, yeah, we've told all of our stories, we're done for now. Like, we don't yeah. have anything planned, right? So let's say they step out. Next year, mm. they come out with Avengers 4 or whatever, or 5, if you want to count the other one as 2, even though it's the fucking mm. one movie. So they come out with, like, the next Avengers, and like, all right, that's us. We're, you know, we've, we had this plan, and we're done, and we, we, you know, we might put out more superhero stuff eventually, but now we're going to focus on Disney Plus and putting stuff mm. out on Disney Plus and see you later. I don't know what you go back to because it's not like there's not regular action movies coming out now. There still is. You know, they're just, I guess people just aren't that interested. Mm. I mean, in fairness, it is a, it is a bigger pill to swallow to take your kids to go see Chris Evans beating up robots to then go and, you know, you know, see someone like, you know, cursing up a fucking storm and stabbing people to death violently. And it's like, (laughs) eh, yeah, I can see why the other action movie is more appealing to bring your fucking kid to like, you know, Mm. Yeah, where Chris Evans bounces a fucking pretend shield off a pretend robot head, and you're like, "Yeah, this is fine." Oink. 
Mm. I think that uh, the next set of Hollywood blockbusters are going to be the main character from Law and Order SVU. Uh, Olivia Benson <laughs> is going to have her own set of starring movies. Um, I think she's been slowly working up to this since 1999, and I think we're about we're about there, and I think it's coming. I actually think it's longer. She's been playing this fucking character for like 25 years. I looked this up recently. She's been playing this character for like 25 years, and you think like, is this the only fucking thing you ever do? And it's not. She has appeared in other stuff. Mm. It's the same character. She has appeared in other shows as her SVU character from the 90s up till modern times, obviously. But she's appeared mm. as Olivia Benson the rape police chief detective agency, whatever her title is for, for that particular department she, mm. uh, in these other shows. And like, I was looking at it, right. And one of the shows she turns up in is Chicago fire. And I was thinking yeah. like, okay, you're, you're a New York policeman. So you have no, like, there's no, I don't even know why you're, you're just a civilian in this city, but also what could possibly be the crossover for the, the cop in the show about sexual assault being in the show about fires. Does someone get molested by a fire? What the mm. fuck happens? How does isn't that the whole up? thing with isn't that the whole thing with Law and Order though? It's like they love sticking their actors as characters and other stuff, and you can actually link like essentially every TV show ever made as part of the same universe because of all the Law and Order cameos. They're usually connect like Law and Orders are all connected, and like those Chicago shows are all connected. So like the Chicago police will sometimes show up in the fire show or whatever with a brief cameo. And then that'll, they'll show up in the medical show or whatever. There's like little cameos here and there, but she just straight up, that's her whole career. She plays this one character and she shows up in just, in just everything with this one character. It's kind of bizarre. So mm-hmm. I love it. I wish I could do that. Well, I, mean, I have a prediction. I have, a, well, I have, I have a real prediction about the future in film. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not about the next big thing, but I predict there will be an Oscar bait movie in the next three years about the fall of Saigon. As an allegory for the collapse of U.S. military domination of of Afghanistan. Or failing that film about uh, Oscar bait movie about the fall of Kabul. I think, I think we're... Because there has never, there has never been anything more than a TV, a made for TV movie and a documentary series about the fall of Saigon. And it remains a wound in the American psyche which has not been properly explored in film. Is this going to be one of those shitty films where like they try to make it out like the Americans won because like the 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 hero who's some like American There's going to be there's going to be a there's going to be a zero dark 30 style style film about the fall of Kabul that will go for an Oscar. There may also be some other film about but there's been no there's no filmic treatment about the 20 year war in Afghanistan. And there's going to be something as about the fall of Saigon as an allegory for it, I think. Okay. This is now this is now a repeating trend, and it's going to be sheer Oscar bait, and it's going to happen. And I think it's going to star. I think that weird kid from The Killing of a Sacred Deer is going to be in it for some reason. <laughs> All right. <laughs> guy, What's his name? Barry Keegan. Barry Keegan. Assaulted. Barry Keegan's going to be in it. Was he beaten up in Galway? Is it Keegan or Keown? I don't fucking know, dude. He was Apparently he was he's, beaten up in Galway and only reported it like two days later. He was uh, he's the Guinness kid, yeah? yeah. Must be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I that I weird care. that weird looking kid. Yeah. He's probably about forty five. <laughs> no, I think he's like fucking twelve or something. No, nah, he's I think he's our age. I think he's around our age. Mm. It's a pity because he's been in a lot of great stuff. He's just kind of a twat. <laughs> he needs Why a better he a manager. 
He needs a better manager. He needs, he needs a better, better manager. Does he need to pick better films, do you think? No, he's been in great films. He was in fucking Dunkirk. He just oh, needs God. to be... He needs to be... While he's doing these films, he needs to not be showing up to the fucking Late Late Show because who gives a shit about that? <laughs> and being a fucking plastic caddy in the fucking US even though he's actually Irish. It's bizarre. I love the idea of the Late Late Show accidentally torpedoing his career. I just, what, did you do on the, what did he do in the Late Late Show? He just shows up as a regular guest. Because, what? you know, yeah, because the Late Late Show, the Late Late Show does that. Someone's his Irish. Mom and they, it. His mom watches him. it or something. Well, there's a lot of these people that that feel like the Late Late Show is like a very prestigious thing to be on. I, I don't yeah. get it. People who didn't, people who watch the fucking Late Late Show, like if I, i.e., people who stay in on a Friday night. I just, I, Steve, we talk, we can talk about this on a different show because we're gonna have to wrap up here now. We've yeah. talked about this before. The Late Late Show is its own fucking beast, and no one, I, I don't know why anyone would watch it. There is, even when you're inside forever, there's a million other things to do than watching the Late Late Show, and you should do any of them. Eight months, of lockdown, of eight months of lockdown in the last two, like total lockdown in the last two years. And I got away without watching the Late Late Show once. I got away with getting Aoife to not watch the, uh, the Christmas one. I, I, I got away with that. So, I mean, I, I'm golden. I'm out of this fucking grown, okay. adults, grown adults with no children watching the Late Late Toy Show? Get it off. It's Friday! Life. It's on a Friday! <laughs> I have my four cans of Carlsberg in the fridge. I'm going to put on my Aoife McGregor voice and go, get a lie. <laughs> Thank, God Thank God we get have a, a uh, Thank God we have a condenser that works in real time for this show. All right, this has been episode 27 <laughs> of Morning Brew. I have been Adam Sheridan. I'm still Stephen Burke. And I'm Daniel Purcell. You can, of course, follow us at Media Suplex. You can follow me at Swagger Gills, Stephen at On Burcock, Dan at Mr. Daniel Purcell. Um, you can, of course, follow us on any platform you choose, whether it's Amazon, whether it's Spotify, whether it's iTunes, whether it's, I don't know, fucking Pod Network. I've, I'm sure that's a place to follow us wherever no. you want. Make sure you like it, though. Make sure you share it with your friends. Maybe you can do it on Amazon. I don't write fucking in know. And write in and tell us what you don't like about the show. Please, we just want someone to talk to us. And if you want The Rock to be back on it, you're going to have to tell us that so that we can push for it. Because we'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, but only by popular demand. We need to show them the data. All right, bye. Bye.